Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to With Wit. I have a super special episode for you today. My husband, Timmy, and I talked to therapists and couple John Kim and Vanessa Bennett. They are amazing. We learned so much about attachment styles, love languages, the fantasy of finding the one, fighting productively, codependency, personal accountability, and so, so much more. This is going to be a major one. So this is part one of two. Next week, I'll air part two. John is a licensed therapist and author whose journey started with divorce and healing from a broken heart. Through helping others, he found his voice and fell in love with talking about love. Vanessa is also a licensed therapist and author. Her goal is to make therapists feel accessible, to show that they are not above anyone else. You will love their approaches. Together, they wrote a book titled, It's Not Me, It's You, Break the Blame Cycle, Relationship Better. In it, they analyze their relationship to help untangle the common and frustrating barriers many individuals face on the road to a happy, loving, rewarding partnership. It's essential when therapists give you tools and talk things through on a much deeper level. So we're doing that. Here are Tim, Vanessa, and John. We're so excited to have you on. We have never had like a relationship couple pair of experts before. And so this is so fun for us. And we were talking about coming on to this like, well, what what issues or what problems do we want to talk about with you guys that you guys could kind of walk us through? And I was thinking and I was like, things are pretty good right now, but there's always obviously stuff to improve on, tips, mantras, ways to keep it fresh. But I thought first we could just get into your history, how you guys got into this and then how you guys got into doing it together. Uh, I started with a divorce 12 years ago and um, decided to become a therapist kind of through my own therapy. A lot of times it happens that way. Mm -hmm. Got on Tumblr back in the day when you guys were children. You date mm -hmm. yourself. <laughs> and then, yeah, kind of pulled the curtain back and started talking about my feelings. And I was more transparent and then I got on my Harley and started helping people in Los Angeles, like in coffee shops and at the park and, and kind of working unconventionally. And then that led to, you know, books and all of that stuff. 
And so I had a full practice. I don't have as many clients as I did before, but uh, now running retreats, writing books and doing stuff like that. Yeah, I think you... I think our generation, and I'll say our, because John's a tad older than me, our generation looks at therapists on Instagram and stuff and sees people being very transparent. And that feels really normal to us at this stage, but that wasn't normal when you really first started kind of getting out there. Like you were, were definitely one of the first that, like you say, pulled the curtain back and really like talked about yourself and put yourself out there and humanized yourself. And so I think I looked up to you in a lot of ways when I was starting out because I'm younger kind of came on the heels. You had already been practicing for probably almost eight years when I met you. And I I think I looked to you for a lot of guidance on how, how do I do this? How do I still stay a human being while also moving into the space of, you know, mental health and and wellness. But I moved from New York to LA. It's kind of your similar story, right? Like massive breakup, left an industry that I had been in for 10 years and was very successful. Kind of life blew up one of those and through my own therapy, own healing, really decided, oh, this is kind of what I want to do moved across the country by myself, all the things. And then we met kind of, I always say I manifested him more just because I kind of saw him one day on Instagram. And I I just had this weird feeling where I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, I think I'm going to date this guy. And I sent him to a friend of mine and I was like, he's, he's hot. He's in LA. He's single. We have a mutual friend. I was like, I think I'm going to date him. And she was like, okay. You know, he's got, I don't know, however many thousands of followers at the time. And I was like, no, I think I actually am. And it it kind of just happened. And so I didn't tell him that though, until we were dating for like a year. Cause I didn't want him to think I was like some kind of fangirl, but I did manifest it. That's amazing. We kind of have a similar I, story. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. Well, like really? I used to watch Whitney on the Hills and I was working in TV and like news of her spinoff, like the city came to me and I was like, I want a job on that show. But like, I also want to date that girl. Like I had a big crush on her. And then like manifested it. And like, you know, at our wedding, my friend was like, Tim is the only stalker I know to actually like marry his victim. And I was like, there is some truth to that. Hey, well, now, you know, too. Yeah, yeah. that's great. There's two great. Of us. Nice. Nice not to be hey, alone. I, I also love I love how big your ask was. I not only want to work on the show, but I want to actually date the person on the show. As well. Yeah, I was, my ask should have been bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I was really going for it and it worked out. I can't like it, it all worked out. It yeah, great. I do believe in the power of manifesting. I feel like I've manifested so much in, in my life and I think it's so powerful. But you guys then went on to write a book together. It's not me. It's you. And like, Love curious, that. totally like curious how that came about because you hear the opposite. Yeah. yeah, we wanted to write a book together, but we didn't want it to be a book where we're on a soapbox or telling people how their relationship should be. We're the expert. Yeah. So we're like, okay, well then we have to write about our problems Mm -hmm. and um, let's kind of call each other out, you know, which was terrifying. And let's just make it real. Let's just talk about real shit, you know? And so that was the approach. And that was the the manifestation of that book was us dissecting our own relationships and trying to help people uh, using our, our problems. Yeah. yeah, I think that it became really apparent that we just because we're therapists doesn't mean we don't struggle with actually the same shit that everybody struggles with. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was a way for us to say, like, let's say it's these top 10 issues that we consistently are hearing from our clients are the same things that behind closed doors we're struggling with. And so what better way actually to help people than to say, not only is that normal, like let's normalize that, but also here's some tips and tools and ways that we work through 
or are still currently working through some of those common issues. And we've got a lot of feedback that just knowing that it's things that we struggle with too has just been really helpful because again, people don't feel alone, you know? Totally. What what kind of yeah, I was stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you give us an example of just... Yeah. Our, 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 our runway was rocky. You know, yeah. we're very different. We have different attachment styles. She's avoidant. I'm anxious. We, we lean. Lean, we lean. Lean. It's that right. black and yeah. white. But I tend to lean more avoidant. He tends to lean more anxious. Um, and can you explain sort of what, what that means just a bit? For me? Yeah. So, I mean, kind of the 101, right, of a, a very large theory is really just how, when you're in a state of activation. So when I am feeling uh, emotionally activated, do is my tendency to kind of like pull away, do a little bit of running, put some walls up? Is my fear really more around the fear of engulfment? Like if I get too close, I'm going to be kind of taken over. My autonomy is going to get taken away. Mm-hmm. Or is it the opposite? When I feel activated, do I tend to cling? Do I tend to want this person to stay close to me? Am I so afraid of losing them? I, I kind of like dig my claws in which is usually the opposite. That's more the anxious way, right? Yeah. But this is the thing. We do Mm -hmm. tend to attract the other, right? And so there's a lot to be said for how common it is for the avoidant anxious dance to be part of romantic relationships because there's something about the opposite that either A, can be healing Mm -hmm. if you choose to look at it that way, right? Or it can just be activating a shit. And then, you know, you decide that maybe that's not for you and you can walk away. But I think we chose to look at a lot of our differences as opportunities to really lean in and grow and and really think about like, well, why was I attracted to this person and vice versa? Like, clearly there was attraction here, you know, at some unconscious level. Clearly, clearly, clearly it was my content. Yes, it was your content. Um, (laughs) That's what it was. And then she met me in person was like, oh, he's a little short. He's kind of weird. <laughs> Our attachment styles develop from childhood, yeah. right? Starting with parents. And then when we grow up and love people, it comes up, right? Mm-hmm. And so me being an anxious attachment, having that kind of attachment, I need, you know, the validation. I need the compliments. I'm holding on to her leg and, and then that activates her avoidance, which means her leaving, you know, running out the door kind of. So mm-hmm. yeah, that dance. So that's a big one that yeah. we we work with clients a lot on. Then you brought up kind of, you know, love languages, which is not necessarily kind of like a, a therapeutic, a tried and true, but it is definitely something that I have found to be very helpful for a lot of clients and just understanding that there's more research now that's kind of showing the way that you are asking or wanting to be loved is usually something that you potentially didn't have a lot of when you were growing up. So, you know, for example, his is words of affirmation didn't get a lot of words growing up, right? That makes sense. And so mine is more acts of service. Well, I was kind of the oldest child that did all the things for everybody else. And so something being done for me makes me feel really loved, right? And so just understanding that and knowing that about each other and leaning into what doesn't come natural for us, but knowing that it helps the other person feel loved. That was a really kind of hot, hot topic for the two of us. We go into what we talk about, like the under functioner, over functioner dance. Mm-hmm. which is also really common in couples. So again, another way that we respond to activation or anxiety. So the overfunctioner, when really anxious tends to do, 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 organize, do, fix, save. I got this. Let me swoop in. The underfunctioner does the opposite. They withdraw, they pull back. There's really a belief like I can't do this. So I'm not even going to try. Mm-hmm. They tend to, to really love each other. They tend to really go hand in hand. And so obviously brings up a lot of shit, right? Um, so really just these kind of opposite dynamics that are so common in romantic relationships and the kind of issues they can bring up. And then how do you work through them and attempt to maintain the relationship? 
And now a word from our sponsors. If you need some go-to beauty essentials, Ilia must be your first stop. Honestly, it is one of my favorite brands, and you've probably seen me link the multi-stick on Instagram all the time. Ilia is the OG of clean, thoughtfully formulated products. They contain active levels of skincare, so makeup improves skin over time. They are super hydrating and make your skin look and feel alive. Their hero product, my sister and my favorite, is the Super Serum Skin Tint SPF 40. It's a clean skin tint with a light, dewy coverage. I'll repeat it, dewy, not flat, not dull, the look we are always trying to get, right? It's the number one bestseller, award-winning, and truly makes your skin look alive. It's also SPF 40 and packed with skincare actives like niacinamide, hyaluronic acid, and squalane. You'll find it in 30 shades, and it seriously changes your skin over time. One of the best parts is you can submit a selfie on their website, and an actual human will shade match you. They have 96% success rate. Easy. Visit iliabeauty.com and use code WITHWIT at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. That's I L I A beauty.com with code WITHWIT for 15% off your first order. Plus, check out the interview I did with Ilya's founder, Sasha Plavsik, a couple weeks ago. She was so awesome and shares a lot more about all her great products. If you watch my YouTube channel, which if you don't, you should, you've heard me talk about Factor and know by now that I love it and I think it's super easy. Factor is our go-to solution when we want to avoid the grocery store and make our lives easier. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy and then go back outside and soak up the warm weather with your fam. Try delicious, dietitian approved calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. They offer delicious, flavor-packed options on the menu each week to fit a variety of lifestyles, from keto to calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, and protein plus. With 34-plus chef-prepared weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45-plus add-ons, including breakfast items like egg bites, smoothies, and more. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions to your door. They source 100% renewable electricity for the production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in the meals. Head to factormeals.com slash withwit50 and use code withwit50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code withwit50 at factormeals.com slash withwit50 to get 50% off your first box. This is Amanda Hirsch from the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast. You might know me from Not Skinny But Not Fat on Instagram, where I spend my time talking about reality TV, celebrities, everything happening, and pop culture every Tuesday, okay? I also talk to some of our favorite celebs and reality TV stars. We talk about what's going on. Tune in every Tuesday and just feel like you're talking with your best friends in your living room. And now back to the chat. Working through them for you guys, was it just about sort of recognizing which 
kind of archetype you fit into and then figuring out where it came from and then like being sympathetic towards the other one and realizing like that the behavior comes from a certain place and like it just it did it it stopped becoming like triggering for you both Vanessa and I were to say well you know, I'm not going to take responsibility. I'm not going to investigate why I am the way I am. Um, I'm just going to point my finger at you. Then it's just a matter of time before, you know, the relationship doesn't work out. Right. So, yeah, I think it's uh, shattering the misconception that just because you found, quote unquote, the one that everything is going to work out, it's going to be easy. Yeah, uh, totally. Building a relationship is very different than falling in love. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I would say, too, to mm-hmm. kind of jump on that, going back to the the thing about your mom, you know, I think what you're saying is right, John. It's like this idea of family members. You know, we have all heard the saying, like, you can't change anybody but yourself, right? You, have, you can't take responsibility for anybody but yourself. I think a lot of times it helps to have empathy and understanding like, oh, this is why this person acts this way. But it's still, like you said, it doesn't change the behavior, right? And so that part, it's really about how do you change how you show up in the dynamic? How do you change how you show up in the relationship, right? So one of my best friends who's also a therapist always says you have to stop going to the hardware store for peanut butter. Like at some point you have to say, this is who this person is. And if I'm choosing to have a relationship with them, I have to change my expectations, how I show up, my boundaries, like whatever that looks like. Because if you continue to go to the hardware store for peanut butter, that's on you. Right. Um, Now that's not to say that you're not going to have hurt feelings you're not going to have, you know, expectations that get shattered. Like it's your parent. So that's almost inevitable. But in doing a little bit of that self-reflection and that self-work, you can change how often you attempt to show up at the hardware store, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I think Home Depot sells peanut butter now. They don't sell jelly. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to change that metaphor. Don't don't ruin my metaphor. (laughs) You said something though, and you put like the one air quotes. And I'm curious to know what, what you guys feel about soulmates. Like, do you believe in soulmates? I could tell by your energy and how you're asking that she question. Wants yeah. that. She wants you to say yeah. She wants us to believe so bad because I just um, want your truth. I we don't we don't believe in the one. I believe in soulmates, but I think that's a different conversation. Yeah, than the one. So I think you can have many soulmates. I have my I have girlfriends that I know are my soulmates. Yeah, you know. I, I think the the concept of the one can be damaging because mm-hmm. if you are in a relationship and there are differences and you're like I don't know but you believe in the one, then you are thinking, oh, there is someone else that is the one and maybe this person isn't it, right? Which can be an excuse to not do work. Yeah, but also, I mean, there's what, 8 billion people on the planet and you think only one is the person you're supposed to be with for the rest of your, it's just such a fantasy. I like the definition that the one is the one in front of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We talk about this a lot. I don't believe in... That there's only one person out there for you. It just feels more comfortable comforting to me knowing that like this is the one I have chosen and my commitment is a hundred percent but there's things that I need to work on and there's things that you need Mm -hmm. to work on Mm -hmm. and and like just saying that you know you're the one sort of ignores all that I know I think it comes from my insecurity though I think it's like a defense mechanism me me thinking that maybe there is the one because I think like if there are other people out there for him then I feel scared you know, that is out there. That like my, the one is waiting out there. Yeah. But there is, in my opinion, there is no the mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes back to to kind of the way you were brought up versus the way I was brought up. Like mm-hmm. Whitney's parents were like mega in love and never fought in front of the kids, mm-hmm. which is great. But like 
she grew up in sort of an idealized version of, of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was not the case for me. Yeah, no. but you know, you said which is great. And I and I I also kind of want to like jump on that. And this isn't to like we don't have to pathologize everything, right? Like it's wonderful that you were raised in a home where your parents obviously loved each other. And mm-hmm. I think we can do a disservice to our children for not also showing our kids the yucky side of relationships because they exist in every relationship, no matter how amazing, right? Mm-hmm. I used to work with a lot of adolescents and I would talk to the parents all the time and say like, it's actually okay for them to see you guys argue as long as they're also seeing you repair. Mm-hmm. The okay. repair is the most important thing because honestly, you want to see how you're modeling for your kids, right? right? So kids don't learn by what they hear or they learn by what they see. So my parents will teach me, how can I be respectful in conflict? How can I be clear in my conflict, but also be kind? how do I repair? How do I apologize? Right. And we're going to watch that. And that's what we're going to learn. And so I've worked with a lot of clients who had parents who never fought in front of them. And so ipso facto, they have no idea how to actually have healthy conflict. So again, it's like, listen, we can pathologize everything. I mean, we're all in some way going to screw up our kids. Like we have a three-year-old. I know at some point she's going to be sitting on somebody's couch, right? Talking (laughs) about something I did. But at the same time, it's like, I I do think it's important for them to see the reality of life. You know, Mm -hmm. I let my kids see me cry. I let my kids see me get overwhelmed. I let mm-hmm. my kids see, you know, see me get angry. Mm-hmm. And then I explain it to her in, in kind of an age appropriate way. And I own my shit and I apologize when I need to apologize. Yeah. Conflict resolution. Yeah. Like they need to see how like that fighting how, yeah. is normal. Yeah. Like yeah. we're, we're going to get under yeah. each other's skin. Yeah. I think and family, we'll get through like, it. It's okay. Totally. Right. I think in your family, like you never saw the resolution. So you didn't know then how to deal with your emotions. And I think that's when you would turn to anger at the very beginning of our relationship. He, when we would fight, he would get just like loud and you, you could tell he was like just more visibly angry than I was. And it's something that, that I think maybe he was holding on to from like a little kid. Yeah. I mean, I, your guys' story resonates with me a lot because like basically what was going on is we would go on family vacations and like my parents' behavior would really affect me. They would fight with each other all the time and like I would get upset and everyone in in the family would be like, Tim, like, why are you upset? I'm like, well, it's obvious. Look, and they'd be like, you're ruining Christmas. And I'm like, they'd be like, this is just them. You're crazy, Tim. You're crazy. Yeah, it became my problem. But like I had to start going to therapy to learn how to like manage my reaction to something that was going to happen. And in doing that, sort of started to learn the tools with how to kind of manage our issues. Mm-hmm. But it was something that Whitney wasn't used to. And so like when we would would get into an argument and instead of me getting getting heated and like doing push-ups, I was advised mm-hmm. to kind of take a break and walk away but that really triggered Whitney's sort of abandonment issue. Yeah. Like I would feel right. like I, now I'm left here to sit alone with my thoughts and worry. And also my defense mechanism was just to cry. Like his is more anger. Mine is more just like tears. And I think then that started to feel manipulative to him because it's like anytime tears come into play, then it's like all of a sudden, you know, I'm the victim when I'm really not, right. you know, Well, that also speaks a lot to, I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. Like we live in a patriarchal society that teaches men that anger is okay and teaches women that crying is okay. Women aren't allowed to get angry and men aren't allowed to cry. So this is the way that our body and our system learns to emote, right? Mm -hmm. It's very common for men to feel overwhelmed and for it to come out as anger. 
very common for women to feel overwhelmed and it to come out as tears, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is what we train little boys and girls as acceptable forms of behavior. What happens though, and it sounds like in that dynamic, the opposite reaction is activating to you. That's some shadow stuff, right? So like, for example, when he starts to cry, Tim, you might not have access to the ability to really sit in full tears and access that level of emotion. It's really activating to you when somebody is able to be in that space and vice versa. Somebody being able to be in anger and be like that can feel very intimidating and very activating to somebody who that's not their go to. And so just like just like attachment styles, just like any of these things, we find these people who are almost like the opposite of us as almost an attempt to like understand, heal, right old wrongs, you know, the unconsciousness, the psyche does this all the time. It's like just so many people don't get to the place of saying like, what is that? What what can I learn from that? How can I lean in? Okay, let's take a quick break for a couple more ads. So my mom's absolute favorite gift I've ever given her is a skylight frame. I know it sounds crazy, but seriously, she sees it daily and it brings her so much joy. She gets to watch the photo cycle of all her grandkids and family and it makes her feel not so far away. And also bonus points are that it's super easy for her to use and for us to send new pictures. The Skylight Digital Photo Frame is a sweet and meaningful gift that will give you a new way to stay in touch with those you love. It's so simple and fun to use, even if you're not tech savvy like my mom. No app or subscription required to send photos at any time from anywhere. We have ours in the kitchen and it always makes my day to see my niece's face who lives in New York. It holds Thousands of photos that continuously rotate through and bring daily joy. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Also, if you don't love your skylight, they'll offer you a full refund. Preload it with favorite photos for a special Mother's Day gift. Surprise them with photos they didn't even know you had. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer, get 10% off. That's up to $30 off your frame when you go to skylightframe.com wit. That's right. To get 10% off, up to $30 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com slash wit. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash wit. So I'm part of a big golf family. You've probably caught on. Timmy goes as often as he can. It's like his form of self-care. And I started taking lessons not too long ago just so that like one day when we can retire, we can go on golf trips together. Anyways, I feel like a lot of you can agree that it can be a sport that brings friends and family together. And I've talked about Top Golf on here many times, but I want to make sure you actually go because it's so much fun. Top Golf is an enormous entertainment venue with a driving range and a lounge with beverages and games. Don't consider yourself a golfer? Fine. The best part is that it doesn't matter if you've never played golf. Everyone can play top golf, even if you don't know how to swing a club. We went with a group of friends. Half had held a club before, half hadn't, but we all had the best time. Also, not sure when to go. They hook players up with Half Price Tuesday, where you can play the game at half the price, meaning you could play twice as long for the cost of another night. 
Exclusions apply. Full details can be found at topgolf.com slash Tuesday. Topgolf has clubs, balls, tea, and turf, but beyond golf, you'll find loud music, giant TVs, and a handcrafted food and beverage menu. I'm sure you will love it, and it will be a great break in the week. It's golf. It's not golf. It's top golf. Pro tip, download the app and book ahead of time to come play around on Half Price Tuesday or any other day. All right, now back to the episode. Yeah, because I'm yeah. very like touchy feely, affectionate, sensitive, crying, whatnot. That's me. And hit, but his mom is like the opposite, you know, like yeah. not, yeah. I don't want to say cold, but not a, not a hugger, not really totally warm. Yeah, like, totally I don't know that she showed you like a lot of the physical affection. Mm-hmm. And so I think that maybe that's what he found in me that he probably didn't even realize he was looking for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, we talk about like Whitney likes only the hard cheeses and I like only the soft cheeses <laughs> on a cheese plate. And like, that's like, those can be complimentary and it can be really good. Yeah. But I think we also need to recognize that that extends into like the way we argue and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And that like you're offering things that I'm sort of missing. Yeah. Well, that gets that, into, that's right? a good thing. No, I think it is a really good thing. And I feel like you guys talk a lot about the difference between, well, like productive arguing or more communication. What what would you say are some tips that you have for couples who are are being activated and they they want to have a productive conversation? Yeah. In our book, the big one that we talk about is uh, try to understand before trying to be understood. Um, It's something that is kind of a mantra to both of us. It flips the magnet back. It makes the soil safe, right? So a lot of times when I get into an argument, especially with previous relationships, I would already be thinking about my case while they're talking. I would try to make sure they understood me first. But if you try to understand before trying to be understood, now you're listening. Now you're present. Now you're not coming. trying at least. At least you're trying. Yeah. But here's the thing. When two people do that, now it's a, it's a, it's a lot more safe. But I was going to say real quick, the bridge and the key is to actually do what you're doing now. Talk about each other's process, what comes up for you and why. Mm-hmm. So you are actually understanding the other person better. And so people are less reactive and more responsive. And this builds trust. This builds understanding. And then you get each other more. So you can now adjust to the other person. You mean talk about it when you're not activated, like have these yeah. conversations. Oh, this is what's happening for you. Yeah. And yeah. then when you cry, this is, you know, this is when you cry, this is why I do jumping right. jacks, right? Or yeah. if I'm doing this, this is what, and so you're, oh, and then you're, because I mean, that's what we're trying to understand each, each other. A lot of people don't understand each other. They just react to each other, mm-hmm. right? And, and that was a big thing I think for us was understanding the why, like, oh, he does this because and vice versa what that helped me do again was show was feel empathy, even in a moment of anger or annoyance, right? I can still access a little bit of that empathy where I can say, he's not doing this to piss me off. He's not doing this to do X, Y, and Z to me, right? He's doing this because of a story that actually has nothing to do with me is long before I ever came into the picture. And so it helps me look at him, either look at him as literally the eight-year-old child that's acting in that moment, or just really say, this isn't about me. I don't have to personalize this. I can sit with this. I can hold this for him. I can be compassionate, try to understand him, right? Before I have to like make my case, before I have to jump in. Another thing, another kind of like tip I think has really been helpful is, and I've been working with one particular couple that I see on this idea is like, you can 
apologize or you can say to somebody, I see where you're coming from without actually agreeing with them. I think a lot of times we think that I have to agree with what you're saying in order to apologize, in order to say like, I hear you, I see you're upset, things like that. You don't. It's a yes and conversation, right? I can say, I see that really upsets you. I see you're really hurt and still internally know that that's not my truth. Like it doesn't mean that I have to agree, right? So this tug of war that we get into of like needing to be right and wrong, it doesn't have to be a tug of war if we can remember it's not about right and wrong. It's just about saying, wow, that really upsets you. Yeah. Cause sometimes I feel like Timmy will want me, the conversation really can't end until I fully understand or agree with his side. Like he really wants me to understand and agree with him. And like the sorry has to be like a real sorry, even though sometimes I don't like feel really sorry, but I still will give it to him. And then he can tell when it's not real, but it's because I'm, I'm still disagreeing with him. So it's interesting to hear you say, it's like, it's, oh, it's, it's okay to agree to disagree. Right. Yeah. Well, it's also like, I'm sorry that what I said really hurt you. Like, I'm sorry that you're hurting. I'm sorry that this, you know, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm agreeing with the kind of underlying argument that we're having. But as your partner, I can still say like, God, I'm really sorry that that hurt your feelings, or I'm really sorry that it came out that way. You know, I didn't intend for it to come across biting or whatever, right? I'm making it up, but there's still a way that we can be sincere in our apology. And it doesn't mean that we have to agree necessarily with whatever, because we're different people, right? If we spend our lives trying to make people see and understand us, we're just attempting to have our our partner reparent us. And that's not actually their job. We don't need other people to constantly understand and agree with us. We need to be able to do that for ourselves sometimes. Uh And so a little bit of that is like, what am I getting? What am I trying to have my partner do? If I'm trying to have my partner truly understand and agree with everything that I'm trying to get, that feels a little bit like I'm attempting to put them in a parental role. And so then there's like opportunity to go into like, what is that about? Right. And we do that so often in couples. We, we parentify the other person. I feel like um, I do and, that even with Timmy. I think it comes from maybe losing my dad because I lost my dad 10 years ago. And I essentially, I don't want to say I lost my mom also 10 years ago, but lost a big part of like the nurturing aspect of my mom in that loss. And so sometimes I do, I think subconsciously look to Timmy to just like, call the shots, make the decisions, tell me what to do, tell me if how I'm feeling is okay or valid, you know, and I know that that can be exhausting for him. Hi, it's Wit. After the fact, we had such a long and wonderful conversation with John and Vanessa. And as I said, I broke it up into two parts. So next week, tune back in as we continue our therapy session. You'll hear their thoughts on taking breaks from fights and confronting your partner about annoyances. Additionally, we discussed codependency, abandonment issues, personal accountability, and more. I hope you're loving this. Talk soon. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'd love to hear what you think and anything more or even less you'd want to hear about. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Whitney E. Port, my website, WhitneyPort.com, and my YouTube channel, Whitney Port. Peace in the streets.
please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.